Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, the J.J. Watt effect, what his presence means on and off the field here this offseason. DeAndre Hopkins, too, he has been a presence this offseason. Not a big one, but he has been around. We, though, know he won't be at the start of the season. So how to best handle his absence for those first six games? We present a new option to potentially fill that spot. But first, the power and influence of my co-host, It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 569, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So let's peel the curtain back for just a moment here. The Cardinals earlier this week, after Monday's OTA, changed their schedule just a bit. And I can't help but think, Danny, that maybe you were the reason why. Uh, Not that I'm aware of. Are you going to tell me something different? Well, you know, get that on-field work done before noon so you can make sure you get lunch. Because I know how you are if you don't get fed, the rest of the day just doesn't go as well. Whoa! I figured the power and influence of one Danny Sarek has finally reached the head coach. First of all... No? I can't be the only one in the building who would not be happy if I didn't make it to lunch by the time the cafeteria closes at one. And I'm not ashamed to admit that if we are doing media availability and maybe we have one more player and it's pushing 1255, <laughs> that maybe I will go and make a plate and I will listen to the press conference uh, when it is posted online. I, I'll, I'll admit that. Got um, one eye on the clock. Yes. Okay. Yes, but if a player is walking in and it's 1255, I will be respectful and I will stay because that has happened as well. But I don't, I'm not going to apologize for lunch being an important part of my day. Is it, did, did Cliff Kingsbury get word of that? Is, is the schedule changed because of me? Should I be thanking him? I think we all should be thanking you because now we all are making sure that we make sure, you know, we are able to get lunch before things close up. Well, then you're welcome. All right. So thank you. Of course, I'm sure it also had to do a little something to do with the fact that on Thursday, it's expected to be 115 this week. So, yeah, that. As someone who is experiencing her first Arizona summer, I I don't really have any uh, good words to respond to that with. I'll give you two words. Air conditioning. But we're still going to be outside. It's just going to be earlier now. Yes. Okay. In the shade. Maybe I'll bring like one of those little umbrella hats so I really make sure I'm covered. Oh, I should get one of those like the... Bucket hats. Well, not just a bucket hat, but um, you wear it around your neck like a necklace and it's like a little fan. (laughs) Would you guys laugh at me if I did that? If you walk out on Thursday during the last media availability of the week, I will buy you lunch. Really? How about that? Yes. Why? Would that be a bad thing to have a family? No, I think I you'd just, be jealous. You would make I fun would of me, be, and then yes, you'd, be, would, you'd yes, be looking exactly. over at me, and I wouldn't we have would any all, sweat dripping down my face. We would all make fun and then go, you know, that's not a bad idea. But you so, know what? Y'all make fun of me to begin with already, so I really have nothing to lose. I think I know what I'm doing after work today. There really is. Yes, you are absolutely correct. It is, it is part of what we do here within the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center right here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. So there's no Danny Sarek effect, at least not 
yet. We'll give you time. But there is a J.J. Watt effect. This is going to be his 12th season. He's 33 years old. And Kingsbury brought this up earlier in the week about how players see Watt working out. They don't want to let him down. He mentioned it's almost like the Tom Brady effect. When you have that elite athlete, that great player, others kind of feed off of that. And I do think it's important as everyone discusses why or why not certain players are not here, i.e. Kyler Murray, that J.J. Watt is here and for the most part is going full speed and has to be told, we're not doing that right now. Absolutely. He has a huge effect. And I think that's in the weight room, out on the field, you know, watching film, all that stuff. Because a lot of these players grew up watching J.J. Watt in the league. So now you're coming in your teammates with this player who is so well respected from how he carries himself and how he performs out on the field that, of course, there's going to be an effect. That's what you want. We heard from Kingsbury early on, either in rookie minicamp or the start of OTAs, that there were rookies who made comments about, you know, I I thought I knew what to expect when coming to the NFL, but when the rookies are showing up at 6 in the morning to start the whole process, J.J. Watts already finished his workout, got in the tub, showered everything, and when we got a chance to talk to J.J. last week, he said, well, you just got to make it work. You know, there's so many rookies out here that, you know, all the equipment, everything's being used, so if I got to get here a little early, then I'm going to make it work. And I think that's the the J.J. Watt effect that Kingsbury is hinting at is that he's going to find a way to make it work. He's been out here, not necessarily just for show of like, hey, I'm here, but that's what works best for him. This is where he wants to be. And the players are going to feed off of that. And I think that does nothing but help the rest of the team, even in the long days in the long future when J.J. Watt's no longer their teammate, that's going to help them set their own regimens and schedules and how they do things throughout the entire year. And that's an important part. This is what he does to get ready. It might not work for everyone, but for those young players in particular, a Zach Allen who last season had his best year as a pro, if it works for that player that you looked up to, that player that is next to you within your own position room, then maybe you start thinking, you know what, I would like a 10 plus year career. What can I do? What can I learn from J.J. Watt? Take something from what he does And then you figure out your own process, as J.J. Watt described. That's his way to get ready for the upcoming season. And not that J.J. didn't have any respect last year, but I think the fact that when he was hurt, he was still here doing what he could, not only in rehab, but also just motivating the team and being there to answer questions and all of that. I think, too, I would imagine, have really elevated the respect that everybody has for him. Just he was still there for the team, still doing what he could, made – almost an unbelievable was unbelievable I don't know how he really pulled it off to come back in time for the playoff game I just think when you are around JJ he just makes everybody want to be them best their best self and he makes everyone around him better when he is on the football field defenses or I should say offenses have to account for number 99 is and you saw a Zach Allen a Michael Dogby a Rashard Lawrence Lucky Fotu their games elevated and I think there's another level for those players to go take that next step but J.J. Watt because the attention is on him well that means there's not so much attention on the other side someone else has to make a play in those first seven games his numbers weren't great but if you watch the film single coverage double teamed and then someone on the other side was making plays that's definitely something to keep an eye on this year because now there's no more Chandler Jones so of course teams are still going to be giving that special attention to J.J. Watt so now it's up to the rest of the defense 
to take advantage of the opportunities they're going to have when they are on the field with him. All right. So the question I pose to you here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, is there a Kyler Murray effect? Should there be a Kyler Murray effect? Does he have to? Is that now? Is that coming to where others see how hard he works? And whether it's here or not, he is working hard. But it's how much does he elevate everyone else on the football field? I'll give you one example to where I do think it did happen last season. And that's Antoine Wesley. It was the confidence that Kyler Murray showed in him that elevated Wesley's game, especially when D-Hop was on the sidelines. I'll go back to that game against the Dallas Cowboys. Two great catches on touchdowns, and then there's that trust factor. Kingsbury brought it up earlier. Not only does the quarterback have trust, but now the coaching staff has trust in a young wide receiver to where there's not a fear or a hesitation, if you will, as far as dialing up a play for Antoine Wesley? I will answer your question in two ways. I think there is, to a certain degree, already a Kyler Murray effect, and I do think that there needs to be more of it still coming. I think the Kyler Murray effect exists out on the field and the way that he keeps his team in play. And we saw that a lot last year of the Cardinals being down or it was a close game, and it didn't always pan out for a win, thinking about that Green Bay game. However, you know that when Kyler Murray is out on the field, the Cardinals are not out of it. And I do think that all comes from him. So I do think that there is an effect out on the field. Is there a J.J. Watt-esque effect in the offseason out here in the weight room? I don't think yet. Kyler Murray hasn't been in the league near as long as J.J. And J.J. said himself, what works for him doesn't work for everybody else. That's why Kyler Murray has only been, that we've seen at least, out of the those few OTA practices last week. However... It's not like his teammates are wondering, hmm, we wonder if he's really working out and he's taking this seriously. That's not the thought at all. They're, they know that Kyler Murray is putting in the work. I just think to that side of things, I don't think that there is a big enough effect yet. However, I do think that is coming with time as we see Kyler Murray continue to grow and mature. Who knows, if he gets this new deal, maybe that will you know, kind of allow him to maybe block, I don't know if blossom's the right word, but maybe grow into more of that, knowing he is going to be here long term. So we'll have to see. So I think to some degree, yes, there is already a Kyler Murray effect. You touched on it with Tweezy. I completely agree. I think that there could be more of an effect from Kyler Murray off the field coming in the future. There's no question that when he is on the field, you always have that chance. DJ Humphreys brought that up. There have been seasons here in Arizona, regardless of who was lining up under center or in the shotgun, this team really didn't have a chance depending on the opponent on the other side. With Kyler Murray, each and every week, you have a chance, no matter who is that opponent on the other side. But I like what you said, because there is a next step. Can he do for Antoine Wesley with a Rondell Moore, for example? Because I think we're all intrigued by the skill set and hearing that he is going to be utilized more this season. One, based out of necessity, Christian Kirk's no longer here, but just his unique skill set, his ability to make that short catch and then extend that 10, 15, 20 yards after the catch. We didn't see that a lot last season. There was too many throws behind the line of scrimmage, almost as a safety valve, and I think to a certain extent, Rondell Moore got lost in the shuffle just on how he was used. Now, is that on Rondell? Is that on Kyler? Is that on the coaching staff? And maybe it's a collection of all three, but I would like to see Rondell Moore get that chemistry with a young quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, you've got – 
somewhat of a core quarterback wide receiver that you can grow with. I think too, and you know, this you only have to get to this point in order to grow through it, but but thinking of playoffs, right? Kyler Murray's first playoff game was arguably the worst of his career. And so I think the Cardinals are able to get back to that and he is able to completely turn it around and lead your team deep into the playoffs. I think that really affects the Kyler Murray effect, quote unquote, as well as leading your team when it matters most. And and to some degree, seeing that in the back half of the season this year, because that's kind of been the trend is that second half slump. So maybe we should, you know, we'll be able to get a look at that effect the back end of this season. And then I'd like to see that carried into the playoffs. Yeah, those first, what, eight, 10 games this coming season, we'll pay attention, we'll scrutinize, we'll analyze, we'll discuss. Specifically those first six. And then it's, yes, without DeAndre Hopkins. But there's not going to be as, I don't know, I say this here in June, and I know I'm going to be thinking differently come September and October, but we're all wanting to know what happens on the back half. How does this team finish? Not so much the start, but how it's finished. Yet I know week one, week two, week three, if it's not a strong start, we're all going to be in a panic because you only have 17 of these. So you need a good start, but it's more about the strong finish. And that's, I think, a lot on Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, to be able to get this team not just in the playoffs, but a long, extended postseason run. And the start they had to last season, 7-0, and that's not necessarily normal. So I think... Two, Neither is 10-2. and 10-2. So even the front half of the season, if the Cardinals are going 3-3 three and three without D-Hop, you need to be able to lead in more of a normal situation where you're not having that undefeated start to the season and you're leading your team through adversity early on what would be acceptable for you just looking at those first six games is record wise not not a prediction not okay they beat the Chiefs they lose to the Raiders they beat the Rams on but how where would you feel comfortable with this team knowing that you are missing arguably your best weapon on offense based off of what he did last season and then what didn't happen at the end when he was not on the field talking about DeAndre Hopkins they were eight and two with and the numbers were decidedly one-sided with number 10 on the field versus number 10 not being on the field but those first six games is it 500 are you okay if it's two and four and there's maybe a little bit of an uphill battle to get back to 500 and then make a run so those first six opponents uh, let's see. We've got Chiefs and obviously, at home. and obviously, the the teams that we're thinking of now might be different. But, uh, but, but things, from what we know, based off of injuries, yes, right. From what we know, Chiefs, Raiders, Rams, Panthers, Eagles, Seahawks. I would feel good without D Hop at three and three, which I think is doable. I think even four and two is doable, but I would say at least three wins. And hopefully, because the Rams game is at home, you're on the road in Seattle. Can you go two and zero within the division, or if nothing, no worse than a split? So three and three overall, and then a split within the division as well, because that's that's what everyone focuses on. Those six games within the division. Cardinals last year four and two, good enough, and a big reason why this team was able to get to eleven wins and get into the postseason. Do you disagree? No, I like. I would be. Four and two would be phenomenal. Three and three is what I would shoot for. Two and four, I'd be a little disappointed just because with all this time here in this offseason, because you know you're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins. Last year was not a surprise, but it was more sudden. 
you have this time. What are you doing with this time to make sure you do not you, – you're not able to sit there and go, all right, well, we tried this. It didn't work. No, this is when you try things right now. You have the time to make sure that you are a better team come week one. And then all of a sudden that midseason acquisition, if you want to say, DeAndre Hopkins is back. Let's plug him in. Now we should be even better. So I like, I like four and two. I'd be really, really comfortable with four and two, but I would not be so disappointed at two and four just because then we'd go back, all right, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, he is that big of a deal within this offense, and that would be a little bit discouraging because we're sitting here knowing all of May, June, July, August. Got to be able to figure it out. So I think we're probably both on the same page, those at least two wins of Seattle and Philly. I think Carolina and Rams would probably be the most realistic wild cards there. Or sorry, sorry, what, what Panthers? What did I just say? It's, <laughs> In my head, Rams and Panthers. It's I'm not looking at it right now. Chiefs, Raiders, Rams, Panthers, Eagles, okay, Seahawks. Okay, so I think that the Rams and the Panthers would be the likely wild cards. I think you can beat the Panthers. I know that's been... Hard it's in the last Carolina. This team's years. lost, I think, the last six or seven visits to Carolina, or and just I think, games overall. I think still beating LA is very, very doable, especially early in the season when teams are still trying to figure themselves out. Yes. All right. Speaking of those six games minus DeAndre Hopkins, how do you, as head coach, we're going to make you head coach here? Oh, nice. Then if I have all that power, I'm up. I'm out of here. <laughs> Sorry, Craig. See ya. I told you. You're the reason why the schedule has changed. We just made you head coach here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. What do you do without DeAndre Hopkins? What is the best way or ways to figure out to move the ball up and down the field, get the ball into the end zone, score six, not settle for three when you don't have your number one offensive threat? You're obviously going to rely on Hollywood Brown. And I'm hoping you can rely more on A.J. Green. Now, you can fill in Antoine Wesley, Tweezy. Do I think that he can, you know, sub in for A.J. Green on any play? No. So I would still have to rely on those two. I think getting creative with Rondell Moore helps. And then I think you have to start looking at different tight end sets or how can you best utilize your running backs with James Conner, Daryl Williams, you know, Benjamin, whoever, you know, is going to be sharing most of those snaps with James Conner. How can you use them out of the backfield with more throws to them or different tight end sets? Because even if Max Williams isn't ready to go at the beginning of the season, I would imagine that Trey McBride probably will be. And so are you going to start doing more 12 personnel if they, you know, how creative are you going to get there? That's the one thing Kingsbury has been, especially early in the season, is his creativity. He's had all this time. I'll go back to last season, week one against Tennessee. There were not many people, I'll raise my hand, that thought week one would go that way. A win, sure, but a blowout against the Titans, who were not just playoff contenders, but Super Bowl contenders out of the AFC, and the Cardinals literally ran them off the field. I'm not expecting that to happen with a home game against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but who knows? Because early in the season, you don't know what teams are capable of doing. But I do like the fact that there's time and there's options. I'll give you another option, and this is 
This is not my option. <laughs> Zach Ertz, what about him as an outside X receiver? How about him as DeAndre Hopkins? And the reason I bring Ertz up on the most recent episode of the Day Patch podcast, Ertz, unprompted, mentioned playing some outside receiver, which he did in his words, quote, a lot with the Eagles. Now, I don't know what a lot is. I didn't go back and look at the film or the numbers, but he is a big target. Now, is he as fast and elusive as DeAndre Hopkins? I don't think so. But as an outside wide receiver, and I'm not talking full-time, but just perhaps a handful of snaps each week, maybe more, but just to give that defense a different look. Now, it's Zach Ertz against potentially that number one corner, but does it open up now for an A.J. Green? Hollywood Brown. As head coach for the Arizona Cardinals uh, in You're this gonna very moment. You're going to make me call moment, you head coach the rest of the year, aren't you? I sure am. Okay. I am up for trying anything. I think if Zach Ertz is able to at least create enough separation, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't do it often, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think... How fun would it be if you had him lined up outside and then you've got Max Williams and Trey McBride? Three tight end sets. It's 13 <laughs> personnel when really it's not because maybe two of them or all three are lined up as wide receivers. Could be interesting. I'm not, op- I'm not opposed to trying anything. You have to get creative. And, and you said it. it's going to be the beginning of the season. So you can get by with those things that you know defenses haven't seen yet. I think it's just a matter of I wouldn't just do it to do it. Because, you know, you, you have enough receivers to get by if that's not a great option. Like, if if it's not realistic and it, there's such a small chance that it's going to be an actual option for Kyler Murray, no, I wouldn't do that. But if they're practicing and Zach Ertz has that comfort and he's done it before and they feel like they have a couple plays where maybe he can make it work, sure, why not? Well, there's already chemistry between Kyler and Zach. We saw that last season. I mean, it was at least 10 targets and I think three of the last four games to close out the regular season. So there's already a connection between those two. But you look at what Ertz was able to do with the Eagles. I went back 2014. He set the single-game Eagles franchise record with 15 catches. From 2015 to 2019, so five seasons, he had at least 105 targets each season, 1,100 receiving yards in 2018. So he is a very capable pass-catching tight end. I think more pass-catcher than block. Yet he is turning 32 in November, so he is on the other side of 30. Yet, I thought last season, in a very limited amount of time, with hardly any practice whatsoever coming in midseason, I thought he was a pl- more than a pleasant surprise and was able to kind of really make up for the loss of DeAndre Hopkins when I thought initially that was going to be A.J. Green and perhaps it was too much on Green's plate to be that number one guy again. Now, I'm not saying Zach Ertz is your number one wide receiver. I do think that would be Hollywood Brown. But on occasion, a surprise maybe, he just all of a sudden splits wide left and you see what happens. And we heard, I mean, you, you talked about how sudden it at least felt losing D-Hop last season and Kingsbury saying, you know, he, he didn't do a good enough job at adjusting the offense and being creative enough. And so this is a perfect opportunity to really work on that. And and looking at Zach Ertz outside is definitely a surprise. But again, up for trying anything at this point that you think could work. And who knows, maybe if it works well, even when D-Hop comes back, that's just something they keep in their back pocket. And again, this is not my idea. This was something Zach Ertz said himself 
on the most recent episode of the Day Patch Podcast. So perhaps reading between the lines, Danny, that as much as we see, there's a lot we don't see and we don't hear. Maybe it is something that has been discussed or Ertz himself floated it out there and maybe wants us now to talk about it to where it becomes a thing. And Kingsbury says, okay, Zach, I'll let you do it. I don't, I don't know. I would hope that it was at least brought up. Well, if that's the case, you fell for the trap. Yes. Good but, job, Zach. But I think it's it's uh, the more I think about it, the more I like it. You know, is it going to be the first play of week one? Probably not. Play number two. But play number two, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And then you roll it out there in the first half, see if it works. And if it does, then you roll out it again in the second half. Or it becomes a matchup. And depending on where you are on the football field, too. I'm not talking about, you know, first and 10 from the 25. Maybe it's first and 10 from your opponent's 25. And just, I don't want to have this discussion for a second straight year the what if. What happened with DeAndre Hopkins on the sidelines? Why couldn't this offense keep moving the football like it did when Hop was on the football field? Now, you're losing a big piece, but I'm sorry. Teams lose players all the time. And they make it work. The Cardinals didn't make it work last season. And I know that it's a new season. You can only look in the past for so long. But maybe coming off the sting of that playoff loss to the Rams was enough push for them to get them through this entire offseason. Enough motivation to really try and look at this from a set of fresh eyes and find new ways to be creative. And how you can be successful, not only without D-Hop, but if you start relying on Hollywood Brown... Start practicing with A.J. Green or other players filling in because now you know what could happen. I think there's more than just looking at it from a D-hop perspective, but just being more versatile throughout your pieces as well. And Kingsbury has shown that he is not the stubborn head coach, my way or the highway. He steals, his own words, he steals from others. He's not one to be, all right, it wasn't my idea, so we're not going to do it. I think he is willing to try Now it's, okay, what does it look like? And are we doing that now in practice? Is it training camp, preseason? Although at this point, I'm not expecting and I would really don't care to see Kyler Murray and or Zach Ertz in preseason action. That's just me here speaking in June. But this is now the time to where you roll it out there, even at half speed, and see what it looks like, even though you're not going against the defense or your own defense is not playing you really tight. So I guess we know what we're going to keep our eye out on I, I at minicamp. Yes. Mark it down, Bird Gang. Zach Ertz as your outside X receiver. Also he, mark down that I'm the new head coach. <laughs> That's true. So what is the schedule for training camp? Are you making these guys uh, practice early? You're practicing late? We're practicing around lunchtime, <laughs> Craig. No, you're not supposed to practice around <laughs> no, lunchtime. No, we're going to make the schedule around lunchtime so that everybody has time for lunch. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. So invite everyone to the open practices. Everyone can take a break from work school okay i like it yeah make sure everyone has time to eat so you don't get hangry and we'll go from there i see what you did there head coach danny sarek i love it okay i'm out (laughs) (laughs) speaking of head coaches i don't know if you saw this or not i thought it was fascinating and it raised a lot of eyebrows not only locally but nationally as well but the top head coaches of the nfl per pro football focus which i do think is a nice tool Not always something that matches what your eyes tell you. So, if you're ranking all head coaches in the National Football League, where does Cliff Kingsbury land according to PFF? He landed, Danny, in the top five 
I'll say that again. Cliff Kingsbury is a top five head coach per pro football focus. With this in mind, it was an analytical perspective. The headline, how many wins would each NFL coach have with an average roster? And Kingsbury was the first coach listed in Tier 2. Stunned. I'm, I'm shocked, I'm really. curious to know for the average average age roster, is that what you said? Average roster with an average roster, and so, there's so this what, metric, and it I was. was gonna, I wonder where where do the cardinal what are, what is their roster described as now? Like, is this this quote unquote average roster? How far off is that from what the Cardinals currently have? Would be my question. Look, this list. You're right. It is something <laughs> interesting to look at. I, I will say, for reference, this is not to knock Cliff Kingsbury. You've got Sean McVay, Brandon Staley, Mike Tomlin out of the top ten. Brandon Staley, you can feel some type of way about, but Mike Tomlin and Sean McVay not even cracking the top 10. So just something to keep in mind. I mean, Bill Belichick is number one. That's that's the tier of what they say Hall of Fame coaches. John Harbaugh, number two. Andy Reid, number three. Then tier two, good coaches. Cliff Kingsbury, Pete Carroll, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Vrabel, Frank Reich, and Mike McCarthy. Everyone loves lists. Everyone loves rankings. This one just kind of stood out. I mean, whenever these lists are put out or any time there's a national story ranking, whether it's coaches, players, position groups, divisions, you always look, all right, where's my team? Where's my player listed? And I admit, I was not expecting to see Cliff Kingsbury in the top five. I would agree. But you know what this tells me? We are in the middle of the offseason. <laughs> There's not much to talk about. We're too far away from training camp, too far away from the preseason and the regular season. So I would not look too much into this. If you're upset, I wouldn't get too heated over it. That's my thought. Bragging rights, though. Do you think Kingsbury saw this and maybe sent a copy of this to his good friend Sean McVay and said, you know, you're on the outside, you're on the you're outside the top 10. I don't really see Kingsbury no? using social media enough to <laughs> maybe catch an eye, unless someone said something to him. Text, oh, maybe, okay. but Sean Gaffey just got married. He's riding high. You know, he probably doesn't want to bring him down. Maybe uh, he does. I think so. I, I, if I'm Kingsbury, I, I might shoot him a text and say, hey, do you see you're on the outside? Yeah, but then what's McVay going to send back? The picture of his ring? That's his, true, yeah. His That's Lombardi cake he had well. at the wedding? Probably would not go over. <laughs> yeah, the last laugh is, hey, I've got this. You don't. You can have your list. Exactly. I'll take the ring and the trophy and yeah, okay. By the way, this is what Pro Football Focus wrote about Kingsbury when ranking him at number four. Outside of quarterback Kyler Murray and wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, Kingsbury has not had much to work with in terms of offensive talent in the desert, yet he still managed to make the offense hum. Unfortunately, Kingsbury has left much to be desired on the defensive side of the ball thus far. End of description now it's more Vance Joseph on the defense Kingsbury though you've seen over the last year and a half look and be more involved with the defense but I do think that there has been talent on the offensive side of the ball that's the one thing that this front office has done is to give Kyler Murray the necessary weapons whether that's at tight end receiver or running back absolutely look at the players they've brought in the last two years James Conner Zach Ertz Hollywood Brown, A.J. Green, well-respected players who have proven themselves out on the field when they're bringing those players in for Kyler Murray, Rodney Hudson. Absolutely. It's a fun list. Pro football focus. I mean, where do you fall with that PFF? 
I mean, you're looking at the grades every single Monday morning. Is it more of a, I don't know, to highlight an argument that you might have? And if there's a number or a grade that just doesn't jive with what you saw, then you're like, I'm just going to ignore it. No, I think to some degree, if you're using it, it can help. I personally don't like to just rely on that. I think it's a great tool for those stats that are hard to find elsewhere, looking specifically at offensive linemen or where you know receivers are lining up you know like how many snaps things of that nature is is what I personally like to go and use it as a reference for but there are lists on you know all types of things throughout the season or you know their grades on how good a player was I think you just take that with a grain of salt based on what was going on in the game so I, I do think there you know there are there are good things that I like to go and refer to that at um but no not everything which I think is a pretty common sentiment. If you ever want to get into a fantastic discussion with Justin Pugh, bring up Pro Football Focus. Oh, he's not a fan? How are they, and this is, I'm paraphrasing him, but how is someone in a cubicle watching it on television in a, or on a DVR, how are they supposed to know what the left guard is supposed to do on a particular play? And Absolutely. That, and, and, that, and that's totally fair. On Justin's part, and it's it's and that's why it's hard for some of these grades, whether you're offensive lineman or defensive lineman or a cornerback, wide receiver, all oh, they ran the wrong route. How do you know it was the wrong route? Maybe it was just a bad throw, and the corner, while well, they let that guy go behind him, well, maybe they were supposed to because there was a safety over the top. So it's just, again, I'll use it just to kind of more of, just to kind of maybe back up what I saw. Or, hey, that's interesting on a player that maybe I'm not too familiar with. Just some more informational purposes. So how do you take the list? Uh, it's fun fodder here in the month of June. And it's just more of a thing to, to discuss, as you said, because, yeah, I do not believe Cliff Kingsbury – sorry, Coach. He is not a top-five head coach, not right now. And I think he'd be very honest with everyone and say, I'm not top-five. But I do think as an offensive mind – he is one of the best because of what we've seen with this offense. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. All right, head coach Danny Sarek, a couple other things Where would here. I rank on the list? Number one. How about 33? Ooh, I get the joke, Craig. Okay. I'm not going to laugh because it's not that funny, You're but I You're smiling a little bit for everyone who can't see here on Cardinals cover. And now I got the laugh, see? Now you got the laugh. Now I got Good the job, laugh. Good job, Craig. Good job. 33rd head coach Danny Sarek. All right. The rest of the NFC West is in the middle of minicamp. Cardinals will hold their three-day mandatory minicamp next week, but this week Seahawks, Rams, 49ers all holding minicamp. I was hoping that perhaps things might go differently and maybe DK Metcalf reportedly not showing up is good news for Cardinal fans. I don't know exactly what the Seahawks are still going to do at quarterback, but Geno Smith doesn't scare me. Neither does Drew Locke. Jacob Eason. So Seahawks going through a number of changes, but the Metcalf situation, he wants a new contract, not there. It's a big deal, not a big deal. It's mandatory for a reason. Team can say, all right, excused or we'll waive the fines. But there's obviously an issue in Seattle with arguably your number one wide receiver, if you think him versus Tyler Lockett. I do think that's definitely interesting. I don't necessarily think 
I mean, what do I know about the situation? I don't think this is one where like Metcalf is going to sit out if he doesn't have a new deal before the season starts. This is just something that's part of the business. Um, I haven't. Have you seen anything on if the Seahawks are going to excuse him? I have not. In fact, just the that'll opposite. Be, there have be been a couple of stories that it's unexcused that he's choosing to work out elsewhere. Interesting. I mean, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. But I feel the same way. I'm not. Seattle doesn't really scare me at the moment. All right. What about the 49ers? Debo Samuel did show up. Nick Bosa did show up. All of Samuel's kind of. Not really working out on the field. He's on the field, but he's more doing stuff on the side. He also wants a new contract and has been very vocal. In fact, he requested a trade back in April. And 49ers say, great, we're not trading you. So he showed up this week, which I think is at least a good sign in the fact that, well, maybe he doesn't want to get fined, but perhaps there is some discussions going on behind closed doors to where something can get resolved. How I feel about whether or not I'm scared of the 49ers comes down to Trey Lance. Jimmy G isn't even there, is he? Correct. He has actually been excused. Okay. Oh, he has been excused. Yes. I mean, that that's the question. I don't think it's a question of whether or not the 49ers have the talent or the ability with their coaching staff to make it work and be a scary team. I think we've seen that time and time again. I think it just comes down to the quarterback that we don't really know a lot about. Um I have seen, you know, without Jimmy G there, I've been seeing online that supposedly Trey Lance has been, you know, good in the locker room, trying to fill that leadership role. Of course, people are going to say that, though. So I think it all just comes down to Trey Lance. What week do the Cardinals face the 49ers for the first time? First time, let's see. It is not until... It's not the... It's the Mexico, Mexico City, City game? Monday Night Football, oh. November 21st. That's week 11, right? Yes. Okay. We should know enough by then. Yeah, by then we'll know whether it's Lance or, hey, I mean, don't be you surprised know, he, if it is Jimmy He played G. the Cardinals last year, but yes. you know, now that he has the full offseason and he'll have 10 games under his belt. It's, it's fascinating to read and hear how many experts, if you will, are so high on the 49ers given their roster, yet still a huge question mark at quarterback. Now, that's... That's the biggest question that any team can have, yet to still hear and see the 49ers on these rankings, power rankings, if you will, but still talked in that regard as far as within the division, within the conference, that they are a team to watch. And it's just, for me, it's, well, you have a huge question mark at the most important position on the field, and that would considerably make me rethink my position on the 49ers. Yeah, I agree. It all it all comes down to Trey Lance. I think if I think they have all the other right pieces, it just comes down to the quarterback. All right, last team, the Rams. It's all good in Los Angeles. Although I was holding out hope I had a small percentage that all this Aaron Donald retirement talk would come to fruition. Unfortunately, it did not. He's going to be playing for at least three seasons. He was under contract for three seasons. But here's when you know you are good, Danny when you can still have three years remaining on your current contract and your employer just says, you know what, that's great, we're going to rip it up, same three years, but here's $40 million extra that we will pay you in addition to what we had already planned on paying you. That sounds great. I hope my boss is listening. <laughs> well, you are the now the head coach. So I maybe, am the head coach. So we are giving you extra responsibilities here. Am I getting more money for those responsibilities? No. Okay. Read the fine print on that contract. (laughs) 
Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. It's a big week for you as well. The last day of OTAs on Thursday, and there is another match, another competition, if you will. Game on with Danny Sarek, which you can catch on the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube page. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. But you, what what is next for Game On? Yes, so for those of you who have not watched Game On yet, first of all, what are you doing with your life? Go watch the other games. There's been mini basketball with Rondell Moore. There's been bowling with Antoine Wesley. There has been cornhole with Trey McBride. I'm not going to spoil what my overall record is for those who have not watched. But I can say this. You're smiling. Yes. That's all we're going to (laughs) say. The next game is with rookie MyJ Sanders, and we will be playing bocce ball, which neither of us have ever played before. So it will be definitely a sight to see. Uh, I'm going to have to read up on the rules. Uh, how Don't the scoring ask me. I've system never works. Either. Really? Never played. Going to figure out how the scoring system works. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to record it Thursday after last OTA's practice. And then it'll be out uh, probably at some point the following week. So until then, go get your game on. Fix the rest of the episodes. They've been pretty fun. It's just a fun way to get to know the players. Not so much football talk, but just, you know, who they are as people, especially after COVID, not being in the locker rooms and being able to tell a lot of those stories. It's just a fun way to get competitive, which I am. Uh, there is no mercy on the trash talk with these players. That's what I've enjoyed the most. You get to know the player, and then you also, there's some give and take, especially with Tweezy. I thought yes, he was out of the three, Rondell and Trey McBride, Antoine Wesley was the one that really gave it right back to And you. without spoiling it, I saw I saw Tweezy today actually uh, around the facility, and he was still feeling a little <laughs> salty about something that happened in the episode. So yes, uh, it's been fun to to see their competitive sides as well. And I'm taking a note of the players that I either lose to or are very competitive, so I can bring them back on. And also learning what sports or games they are not good at. So I know what games to have on deck next year to start practicing when I have them back on. Careful, though. You might become persona non grata inside that locker room <laughs> if you become too good. <laughs> like all of a sudden it's like, all right, in comes Danny. Wait, no, 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 not talking to you today. <laughs> might be one of those 24-hour, 48-hour things after you know a loss on a Sunday. Like, I'm just shutting you out for a little bit. Talk to me on Wednesday. <laughs> Just got to recover. They've been fun. So we will see how bocce ball turns out. If anybody is listening before we record this and you have any sort of tips, please let me know at Danny Sarek on any social media because I will probably need all the help I can get because my Jay's arms are about three times as long as mine, I would say, is a fair assumption, um, which would probably give him the advantage from the very little I know about bocce ball. So any help I can get. Well, I've enjoyed it. Credit to you, your idea and execution by the entire digital department. But YouTube.com slash AZ Cardinals, they've been a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to seeing if the uh, streak continues. And that's all I'll say. Ooh, what a tease. Thanks, Craig. All right. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.